Ben Rosario here from Hoka NAZ Elite, uh, welcoming you to a special edition of the NAZ podcast. Uh, today, you're going to hear a audio version of the digital press conference that was held this morning, Thursday, May 19th, 2022, where we announced our new head coach, Alan Culpepper. Uh, I'm super pumped. This is obviously a change, uh, but it's a good change. We've been excited uh, about this for a long time. I've been working with Hoka Director of uh, Global Sports Marketing, Mike McManus. Uh, we've interviewed a ton of candidates over the last year, and, and we finally found our person. Alan Culpepper is an amazing human being, a great coach. He's going to be able to add a layer uh, of knowledge to our staff, make us better, uh, and, and we're just looking forward to the future. So this press conference was uh, myself and Alan and Mike McManus. Uh, we had, I think, 21 journalists on the call. We got peppered with all sorts of questions, but it was really fun. And I think it'll give you guys a great chance to hear, you know, some of the behind the scenes that went into this decision, uh, why we did it, uh, who Alan is, where we're going as a, as a brand, as a team, uh, etc. So without further ado, here's the press conference. Enjoy it. Uh, and thanks for listening. Thanks, Gordon. Uh, thanks, everyone, for joining. I'm just going to cut right to the chase and introduce the newest member of the Hoka NAZ Elite staff, our new head coach, two-time Olympian, Alan Culpepper. Alan, thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Ben. Hey, thank you all for being here. This is, uh, this is a big day for me. It's a big day for the club, and I think it's a big day for Hoka. So I'm, I'm thrilled to be here, and I think this was a long time coming, and I'm excited to talk with you all and answer answer your questions and and talk about the future of, of NAZ Elite with Hoka. Thanks, Alan. Yeah, it's going to be a fun time. I think we really appreciate everybody coming on, and um, you know, this is a big day for me as well, uh, personal level, and of course, uh, on behalf of the club. Uh, as you'll as you'll hear, I'm sure over the course of this uh, conference, Mike and I, Mike McManus and I, have been working on this for a year now, um, behind the scenes and. We just couldn't be happier with how things turned out uh, for me personally, after, after eight and a quarter years now uh, being the head coach and the executive director of, of the team, um, I'm going to be able to now focus on my role as executive director and, um, and let Alan take over the nuts and bolts of training. Uh, that's going to create a ton of free time for me to uh, build our brand, create more content, uh, make us more marketable uh, and the list goes on. So I'm excited about all those things. And um Mike, maybe have you introduce yourself to the group. Yeah, how are you doing? Mike McManus, Director of Global Sports Marketing. And uh, Alan, we're so excited, uh, or I say AC, because I've known you for, I don't know, maybe like three decades now as we, we've grown together. Um, super excited, though, to, to help NAS Elite get to the next level. And as Ben said, we've been talking about this for, gosh, the last year or so. And, and the idea is Hoka is fully supporting NAS and and you know the idea has been trying to see how we can continue to uh, elevate NAS Elite to the next level. Alan is certainly a part of that. Uh, our expansion is a part of that, and and so we're thrilled to add Alan and in the future uh, expand NAS to uh, I'd say a more uh, complete distance team from middle distance all the way through the marathon. And for us, we want to have the very best professional distance program uh, moving forward. So Alan, you're a a big key on that. Welcome aboard and uh, super excited to uh, to help this announcement. Yeah, and Alan, we're already getting questions rolling in. So, uh, you know, why don't I start it off by just uh, lobbying a question your way and feel free to expound, um, you know, at length if, if you feel like it. And, and again, any other questions, feel free to chat them directly to me. Brian Metzler says, uh, you know, you're, 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 background as an athlete is informed by a wide variety of coaches and coaching systems. You know, Wetmore did, you're in a small, you know, post-collegiate group. Um, Brian, you want to, you want to ask this live or do you want me to keep going? Uh, it doesn't matter to me. Hey, Alan, how, how you been? Hey, good. Good to see your face, Brian. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was just asking, uh, you know, your background is unique because you were coached by a pretty elite uh, college coach and coach program. You are obviously at that small post-collegiate group for a bit with a bunch of different athletes. And then you were mostly self-coached after that. I know uh, you and your wife, obviously. Um, I guess talk about how all those kind of 
systems kind of blend into this, which is obviously is elite group right now that obviously is expanding. Talk, talk about that, that background and how it helps you now. Yeah, you know, we all come into these things a little bit differently. And I, I came from a time when, you know, you graduated college and, and you had to kind of start, you had to take the initiative yourself, honestly, and you had to, you had to make your own way. And, and I feel, I feel like I was really, really exceptional at that um, in terms of like really honing in on what does it mean to be a professional and, and what are the things that I needed to do to ensure that I was progressing in the sport. And all of that comes from the experiences and the, the great teachers that you had along the way. Uh, while at the same time, it's part of your own, um, your own internal wiring and your disposition. And so I was, I was a blend of both of those things, I would say, but I had great coaches obviously learned a lot through my college experience and, and growing up with Wetmore, I would say, you know, he was new to Colorado and, and new to the university of Colorado. And, and I was there at the time already. And so it was like a, a proving ground, I think for both of us, which was a great learning experience for me um, to then move out of that. And then, you know, at the time Boulder, Colorado was, was kind of that spot, you know, where a lot of elite athletes were gathering and we were all in the same boat where we were trying to pave our way and leveraging um, each other to, 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 to get better. And so we were learning from each other. And, and I, it's just funny when I, when I look back now, because I, you see guys like uh, Pete Julian and Mark Coogan and, and faces that, uh, that are still in the sport, obviously, and, and doing exactly what I'll be doing now. And we were the ones that were like always huddling off to the side and, and really um, we were all of similar mindset, you know, and, and we all achieved different things in the sport, but I think we were all wired similarly. So, you know, you just leverage all those things and then you keep layering it on and, and it's all about uh, how you continue to evolve. And so I'm, I'm, just, I'm just fortunate now that there is a group like Nazali with a partnership with Hoka that can really take on more ownership of those things that me as an athlete had to do individually. And that's what I'm so excited. And that's why we've seen the, the massive evolution here evolution recently in the performances it's just it, this is the model you have to have and that's why i'm so excited about this version is because ben and jen have done such an amazing job of just creating such an, a perfect model and doing it in the right place frankly i mean that's part of the model is you've got to do it in the right the right location and flagstaff is that place and then you just keep layering on the, the other elements and and so i have i have such a high respect for what they've done and I really commend Ben for recognizing that it's like, all right, it's time for the next version of this. It's time to continue that process and him bringing in another coach to say, hey, you know, what's the new perspective and how can we leverage um, a younger demographic and a younger athlete uh, model while also looking more towards the track um, and then how that evolves from there. Um, and so this is, this is really for me as a great package. And so I'm, I'm really excited that it's all coming together. And for me personally, this is, this is what um, has been a 10 year culmination, to be honest with you. That is, that is awesome, Alan. And, and a couple of great questions rolling in already, uh, Matt and Jonathan, but first let's, uh, let's get to Aaron Strauss question, which, which was directed at Ben. Aaron, you, uh, do you want to, you want to lob that one or do you want me to do for you? Sure, I can do it. Um, ben, um, I was wondering if you could tell us a little more about the hiring process for the head coach and who was involved in it. Was it athletes, Hoka? Um, just tell us more about that process. Sure. Uh, Mike and I began talking about this last spring, um, and maybe I can dig into the details of exactly how it came about, uh, perhaps in a different question. But, but to answer your question specifically about the hiring process, that began, I would say, in the fall, and we targeted uh, a number of different individuals. We conducted a number of interviews, um, eventually leading to visits. The first half of that process, I would say, ended around the holidays. Um, and, you know, in my mind, anyway, it was kind of at that time that we sort of started shifting more from the idea of bringing on a person specifically. Uh, to handle 1500 meter to 5000 meter runners um, to more of a to more of a full head coaching role uh, that sort of became clear to me after the first half of the process that that's what we really needed uh, someone who, who understood the entire spectrum 
And as we entered the, the spring and started talking to Alan uh, and then had Alan out for his visit, uh, despite talking to some wonderful people, uh, I think whose names I, I won't share for, for their own uh, sake, um, it just became very obvious that Alan was the guy. Uh, in fact, uh, you guys uh, probably know Stephanie Bruce on our team. Uh, after Alan's visit, she just sent me a very, very, very clear, very one sentence text. Uh, you should hire Alan. <laughs> and uh, nobody knows our club better than Steph. So um, I felt the same way. Our board of directors felt the same way. Mike felt the same way. Uh, and luckily for us, Alan felt, felt the same way. So um, that was kind of the process. It was talking to the very top coaches in the country, uh, gauging interest, uh, interviewing people, having people out to Flagstaff, uh, and then going with the person that we thought was best. Thanks, Ben. That's awesome. And Aaron, I hope that, that answers your question. And drilling down deeper on that, um, Jonathan uh, Galt has a, a great question. John, you want to jump in? Yeah. Uh, hi, guys. Um, I guess, Ben, I was curious if you could sort of tell the story of just how this came about, why you made the decision to leave your role as coach, if indeed it was your decision, uh, what, like why now, um, and just sort of expand on that a little bit more. Sure, I can. I remember it very clearly uh, when the process started. Mike's laughing because I know I've told this many times, but uh, to him. But uh, we were in my office in Flagstaff downtown, and we were talking about recruits. This is last spring, uh, like we always do. And he was really big on some athletes that were having a lot of success at fifteen hundred meters, three thousand meters indoors, five thousand meters. And I just said, "Look, Mike, those are great athletes, but that's just not." that's just not my specialty. Uh, that's not where I've had the most success or where I feel the most comfortable. I, I feel comfortable coaching people to 5,000 meter personal bests, but it's, it's people whose physiology is more suited for the marathon. Um, that's just my bread and butter as a, as a coach. And so I said to him at that time, very simply, Hey, we can do that, but we're going to need to bring on another coach. And he just paused for a second and said, we could do that. And uh, that's how it started. Um, and then, as I mentioned in my answer to Aaron, you know, that was the idea at first, Hey, let's bring on somebody who can work with the track athletes. We can then, uh, be real players in terms of getting the top athletes out of the NCAA on the track. Um, I'll continue to focus on the marathon and we can ha have this kind of dual, uh, head coaching role, uh, and, and Jenna Reedon will remain as our assistant sort of working across the board on the ancillary stuff with, with everybody. Um, but like I said, around Christmas time, I just got the feeling and it wasn't from Mike and it wasn't from Hoka. I, I just, I just got the feeling that it was going to be better to have somebody in charge, uh, that was the head coach for the whole group. Uh, not only because I thought that would work best, you know, within the team chemistry wise, but to be honest, I thought it was best for me personally. Um, my, my job over the past eight years is, is constantly prioritizing each and every day. And look, the athletes have to come first when you're the head coach. So there's all these big picture ideas that I've had for a long time now uh, that I want to implement. And I haven't been able to <laughs> because, uh, you know, quite frankly, the, the athletes have, have, have come first. And so now uh, with Alan taking on um, the nuts and bolts of training, the everyday ins and outs of, of dealing with, with athlete issues, uh, not that I won't be involved at all, uh, but I'll have chances now to uh, begin working on some really creative stuff that I think is going to take us to the next level branding wise. Love it. Yeah. And that's a, that's a big Mike. Sorry. You want to jump in? Yeah. Thank you, hey, John. Appreciate the question. And I would just say that, I mean, I, I think one of the objectives for Hoka is we want to, we really want a team that's going to be competitive from middle distance all the way through the marathon. And, and with the current team setup that we had at NAS, you know, it's just 15 athletes. We actually capped it at 15 for, you know, just budgetary reasons. And, and so the, the big swing for us was, you know, predominantly road and the marathon. And so, you know, when Ben and I had that conversation, you know, the conversation really is like, how do we be competitive from, you know, middle distance to the marathon? And, you know, Ben's done a remarkable job of having his uh, 5K, 10K marathoners come back on the track and, and running 5,000 meters, 10,000 meters of nationals and, and do well. But, you know, we were really wanting to have a, a more complete team. And so this is where the conversation started. It was really trying to see how we could expand NAS. And, and of course that benefits Hoka and also, you know, see how we can over the next two or three years, 
double the size of this team. And so really going from 15 athletes to about 30 athletes, that's what we'll look at doing, uh, having an even split between men and women and also, you know, being competitive then from middle distance all the way through the marathon. All right. Well, so we're, we're way to bury the lead, Mike. Um, that's exciting news about the growth of the team. But um, yeah, and just parenthetically, we're doing pretty darn well at the 25K uh, as well. I love this question from Matt. Uh, so Matt has um, an important question because it sort of goes to the heart of what makes this team different. Um, Matt, you want to pop that over to uh, to Ben and, and well, more, more so to Alan? Yeah, absolutely. So as Gordon said, this is to both Ben and Alan. Uh, I just want to know about the onboarding process for Alan uh, in regards to the team and more specifically for the more established uh, athletes on Nestle. Well, so I guess I'll, I'll jump in in this regard. So he, I mean, listen, we're not gonna, <clears throat> we're not gonna reinvent the wheel for certain aspects and there's athletes that have had massive success. So for me to just jump in and to, and to start stirring things up would be foolish. So the idea is to leverage the, the strengths and the great work that Ben has already done with those athletes, the comfort le level they have with that type of training, all the experience that they have with training at, at, at 7,000 feet, um, so all of those things. And then I come in and I would say that would be more of a, I come alongside that. And then it will be more of a natural transition of like, all right, where are some, if you think of that more as a um, consulting role of some sort, I think is how it would initially start for those particular athletes. And it'll be individual. Each athlete will be a little bit different. Um, for some it's, hey, here's some things I'm seeing that we might be able to introduce on that might help with with this element um, that, that we're looking at or things you've seen along the, the various cycles in your training. Um, with others, it's gonna be right away and that process is, has already begun. So um, there's some that, that need, um, they needed just an, a, a pretty significant shift in terms of the type of stimulus they're getting and, and that type of uh, training routine and, and all the things that come with, from the physiological side. And, and there was no better time than for me to go ahead and start, start that process right away. So we have some new athletes coming on board. We have some younger athletes. We have athletes that are already in the 5k uh, type distance as their specialty currently. And so those, I will, I will jump in right away and, and already writing their work. And, and now it's just the relational side, ensuring that we can start to build that, that trust and that on that relationship. Cause that, you know, that's the, that's the whole thing. You know, it's, it's, it's great to write training plans and that's wonderful. And that's part of it. Obviously we got to do the right work, uh, but it's also understanding it and it's also believing in it. And it's also like um, all those adjustments along the way. That's, that's what this is all about is you have to adjust and you have to make modifications. You have to see the athlete and, and that's, that's the whole part of coaching. And so, um, so it's a blend of both of those things, I would say. Yeah, I, I would I would also like to hear just a tiny bit Ben, from you about the I mean, there's a lot of big personalities on the team, but what NAZ Elite has been characterized as is uh, almost a uniquely um, successful team culture. So, you know, um, was there some element to Alan's personality or the way he coaches that um, that fit that culture? Sure, of course, <laughs> he wouldn't be sitting here otherwise. Um, we we felt like he cared, you know, uh, that was probably the first thing that the athletes noticed after his visit. Uh, he came in and spoke to everybody and met in small groups with the athletes and he knew their personal bests. He knew where they went to college. He knew what they were training for. Um, he'd obviously done his homework in that respect. And, you know, that wasn't just, um, something he did to impress them on the visit that has continued. Um, you know, he's not here yet. He gets here tomorrow. Uh, and yet from afar, he's been very communicative with the athletes checking in on their workouts, seeing how they're doing, seeing how they're doing, sending them texts, giving them phone calls. And look, that's all they want. You know, they just want somebody to care. And now they've got three coaches that care, you know, because they've got Jenna, they've got myself and they've got Alan. I'm not going to stop caring uh, just because, um, you know, Alan's taking over the nuts and bolts of some of the training. Um, I think we're going to work together. It's going to be a collaborative effort, both on the relational side and on the, the, uh, the training side. And, and I think that onboarding process so far has been very organic as, as Alan mentioned, and I think it'll continue to be that way. And actually I'll just give you a quick anecdote, you know, even from yesterday, 
So, so Stephanie Bruce, who's one of our most established athletes, one of our biggest stars, uh, she's preparing for the USATF 10,000 meter race next weekend in, in Eugene. And I really needed to give her a, a, a 10K specific workout. And I just gave her the same workout and Alan gave uh, Wesley and Alex a couple of weeks ago. Um, and that's, 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 that's wonderful, right? Because um, we're, we're working together and using our various uh, experiences over a long period of time to, to give these athletes what they need. So, uh, so far, so good. And, and it's really just as Alan described. Love it. All right. That is wonderful. And, and so is this question, by the way, from Sarah. Sarah, do you want to jump in here and direct a little question to Alan about his back, uh, background in coaching? Yeah, um, Alan, I, you know, just a little bit of Googling. I'm, I'm not clear what your coaching experience really is beyond a year at UTEP. Um, I, I went to coaching, Culpepper coaching last night and the link was broken, I think. So I'd like to know, you know, about your coaching qualifications, you know, who have you coached? Who is the athlete you've coached that you're most proud of? And I mean, do you feel confident that you're qualified to like coach the reigning Olympic marathon trials champion? Sure. Yeah, it's a fair question. Um, I mean, I think, I think it's, it's one of those things where, gosh, you know, you ask Stephen Kerr or, or uh, uh, um, Steve Nash, maybe that's a better example. You know, who, who did he coach before he got into the NBA? Um, I think that's a, a better way to think of it. Um, you know, someone who lived it for over a decade and who really, I handled every aspect of my own training. Um, every significant PR, every significant accomplishment was done by my own, my own cognitive thought and how I manipulated that training. So, so that's where it started. And that's where it, it stems from that. The day I stopped training, I started coaching and it was really natural. And it's, it was a breath of whole different, a whole different array of athletes. So from your everyday Boston qualifier up to sub elites that were trying to to make that step that I was working with here in Boulder, uh, to having a significant involvement with my son, who was a high school four minute miler. Um, so it was a whole array of things. Um, I wouldn't say that I was, you know, I wasn't actively pursuing coaching as my profession. I was pursuing other elements as, as my profession. And, and it's kind of one of those things where you just kind of, when you finish running, especially in that day and age, when you're at the time, 36 years old, you have to, you got to get to work. And it was a time when we had three children at the time and I had to get to work. And so it wasn't the type of thing where I felt really compelled to, to take three steps back and become, you know, a volunteer assistant coach at some division one or a division two program in Topeka, Kansas or what have you. That wasn't my interest. Mine was like, Hey, I need to start making a living and supporting my family at the same level that we had come accustomed to. And so I did that. Um, but I was honestly, it worked great because since coaching wasn't my livelihood, I could do it for the right reasons. And I could really, what I would say, hone the craft in terms of the actual relational side, when you're dealing with people and you're dealing with their emotions, you're dealing with their goals. And that's where I'd say leaning on my own experience. I just, I knew that better than anyone. I know what it felt like to like literally be in tears before the Olympic trials, because it meant so much to me. It was like overwhelming in terms of the expectation I had on myself and what that really, really feels like. And so to be able to get, put yourself into the athlete's shoes to where it's not just another day. It's not like, Hey, let's just go have fun out there. It's, it's like, this is, this, this was significant. It felt very, very, very significant. And so how you, how you internalize that. And then can you communicate that? And can you come alongside that athlete and be like, I know how you feel. I know exactly how you feel to where you're like, you're able to come up and like lift them up by the armpits and make them like, feel like you're just taking a little bit of that weight off of them and not pressing down further. So those are all the elements where it's like, it's hard to like, just say, well, I coach this person to run this time and this person to run this time. It's not like that for me. And Ben recognizes that. And I know that, but the reality is, is there's no one that's more confident that this is going to get done. And, um, I'm coming in with very big goals and I've always been the type that does not shy away from challenges um, to the point of where I, I was like, okay, I need to learn more. I need to go and have another layer of experience of saying um, what's the collegiate system look like? Because if I'm going to be recruiting collegiate athletes to come into the professional ranks, what does the current system of collegiate runners look like? 
and did that and did that very well at UTEP. And I'd say what I'm most proud of is that I, I, I say when you, you got to look at the, the lowest common denominator, you got to look at the person that's the least talented and how did you do with, how did you do with them? Um, the most talented ones, honestly, they're, they're the fun ones. They're the ones that you, it's just about refining. It's about like really just coming in and like finding those little details that we're talking 1%. Um, what I'm most proud of is, you know, there was a, a young man who was a 448 high school miler. That was a walk-on who was uh, just a, an overweight kid at, at, at the University of Texas El Paso who had been there uh, three years. And I came in and he ran 411 in the mile this year and, uh, and won races and was like competing. And people were like, oh my gosh, did you see, did you see him, you know? And the relationship that we formed and that bond and that um, excitement that he felt that like, he's like, I'm getting it. I totally get it now. That's what I, that's what I hold on to. And those are the types of things that I'm going to bring that to the professional ranks, which for me, honestly, that's, that's way easier than, than coaching a, someone remotely. It's way easier than coaching some high school kid who has no interest in the sport. It's way easier than trying to get a dysfunctional college team. Like I was dealing with in UTEP to try and, to try and be motivated and try and understand the professionals. Uh, this is like, this is my bread and butter. These are my people. And just like me personally, when I graduated college, I went from winning one, one NCAA title, my very last race to never missing a team for the next eight years, because it was exactly what I knew I should be doing. And that's how I'm going to bring it to, to this team. Awesome. <clears throat> Ellen, thank you. A um, couple of follow-ups on along that similar line, but I want to change the focus back to, to Ben for a second. Aaron has a, a really good question about, uh, you know, just sort of the future of the team. Aaron, you want to pop in there? Sure. I was hoping, Ben, you could go into a little more detail um, about some of the things you you think you haven't been able to achieve yet um, that you'll have more time to focus on, which you mentioned earlier, but I was hoping you could go into more detail about that um, as executive director um, and sort of what the biggest initiatives are and, you know, how does that set your group apart from other pro groups in the country? Sure, thanks Erin. So when we started in 2014, we knew that this was a business. This is my wife, Jen and I. We knew that we had to tell stories. We knew that we had to make stars out of these athletes that their performances weren't going to be enough. We had to build a community around the team. And, and I think we've done that and, and we've gotten a fair amount of credit for that over the years. But I'm a very competitive person. And the way I see the landscape right now is that people have caught up to us. Um, everybody's telling stories. Everybody's um, active on social media and trying to build, build a brand around their team, around their athletes. Uh, maybe not everybody, but the vast majority uh, understand this now. And for a while now, I've said, hey, we got to get back in front. And so I think, um, I mean, just to give you a few you know, concrete examples, I have a vision of a couple of things. Number one, an NAZ Elite podcast network where we are uh, hosting our own show, uh, but then we're, uh, we're also encouraging the athletes and creating shows for some of the athletes for whom that makes a lot of sense and for whom it fits their personality. Um, we want to <laughs> increase our YouTube presence tenfold uh, so we want to, instead of relying on outside uh, entities coming in and doing workout videos, record, recording our folks, telling their stories, we want to take that on internally. Uh, we've hired Mountain Mojo Group, uh, a marketing agency here in Flagstaff to help with that process. Uh, you know, and these things take time, but you'll see a lot more consistency uh, from our video storytelling. We want to... Um, parlay that consistent, creative quality content into greater ROI for our current sponsors, Hoka, Rudy Project, Final Surge, Picky Bars. Uh, but then ultimately, we feel like we can parlay that into new sponsors, uh, corporate sponsors, non-endemic sponsors, uh, more along the lines of the cycling model, so that we can uh, <laughs> have more revenue to provide more amenities to the athletes, and quite frankly, just be better. Um, so that's, that's kind of the process is uh, focusing on content creation, storytelling, and then parlaying that into uh, additional revenue. Yeah, and I should probably turn the mic over to uh, 
to Mike, <laughs> if you have anything to add to that, Mr. McManus. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, and great question. I would just say, you know, Hoka and, and NAS have had an amazing partnership. And if you think about our brand, which is super young, you know, 2009. So, you know, our partnership started with NAS in 2015. And, you know, brand awareness is certainly still our number one objective as a, as a brand. And, and, you know, we've grown with NAS. We've grown um, as their team has grown, as their team has become more competitive, you know, our, our brand has grown. And if you continue to look at that, you know, that goes back to one of the basic, uh, you know, questions we ask ourselves eternally. It's like, how, how do we get better? How do we continue to grow? How do we continue to uh, elevate ourselves? And so we're at a point right now that it's, and this goes back to, you know, the conversation that Ben and I had last year. It's like, hey, we're doing pretty good. You know, we've had six success. Uh, as you mentioned, we've had uh, an Olympic trials champion. We've had, uh, you know, numerous top 10 world marathon majors, but how do we get better? How do we continue to grow in a much uh, greater way and do that globally. And that's one of the reasons our team is not just uh, U.S. athletes. It's a global team. And so, you know, that's the premise of this, but we're growing with NAS. We love the partnership. Uh, uh, as Alan said, we believe Flagstaff is the, uh, certainly one of, one of, if not the best endurance uh, places anywhere in the world right now. NAS has an, uh, just an amazing setup. Ben, Jen do a phenomenal job. And so it's really, how do we allow you know, uh, NAS to get to the next level, we need to provide more support and we need to, to continue to uh, expand this team to get better and better. Thanks, Mike. That's actually a great answer. And Dave Monty, I, I think that sort of, sort of touches on, on your question. So I'm gonna go over to Mike Hartman, just so everybody knows um, we're, we're just at about 30 minutes. I think we're gonna get to all your questions. We're, we're right on time, so, so thank you. Um, Mike, why don't you pop in with it? You know, well, one of the one of the things you do in PR is you try to anticipate what questions will be asked in a press conference, and this one was not on that list, so this is uh, not out of left field. I should have thought of it, but it's actually a great question, Mike. I'll turn it over to you. And you may be on mute, but I can ask it for you if you'd like. Um, Mike, you're off mute, but you uh, I can't hear you. So I'm going to ask it because uh, yeah, what's the question? I'm sorry. It, it's uh, he, Mike wants to know how how this hire and, and this addition helps with recruiting. To me? Yeah. Oh, thank you. Uh, or Ben or 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 Alan. Yeah, I mean, for starters, uh, and, and Alan, I loved your explanation in terms of your coaching background. I mean, Alan actually reached out to me. Uh, you know, not too long ago, but before we started the search and, and, you know, we caught up and of course this goes back to the previous brand that I was a part of for quite some time, more than 20 years. And so, I, you know, I, I knew Alan as a professional athlete and it was very interesting and cool to hear him articulate what I saw throughout the years. I saw from a, a multi-time Olympian of someone who was very much in charge of their own uh, training, their own career. And so when we caught up, and Alan reached out to me, you know, we had that conversation. We talked about his son and I was asking him, you know, why didn't your son go and run for Wetmore at CU? And that was a really interesting conversation. And also, you know, as I think as AC explained or Alan Culpepper explained, uh, um, you know, why he didn't directly go into coaching. And he talked about his, his family and the realities of, you know, what he needed to do, the priorities. And of course he owned a running retail store, a specialty store. He was working for, you know, the competitor group and, and working at CU and, you know, but his, of course, his dream, his objective was always to get back full-time into coaching. So, I mean, it's worked out perfectly, but I, I would tell you, you know, uh, Alan's knowledge, his, his background, his expertise, everything he brings to the table, uh, uh, the savviness of what he already knows about the sport and our ability now as a group, for Alan, for myself, for Ben, to really go after the very best athletes in the world. And as we were talking about, how do we get that, you know, Gen Z athlete right now? And you see at the collegiate level, at the NCAA level, it's at the highest level it's ever been at at any point. I mean, the amount of the density on both the men's and women's side is so exciting from, you know, all distances right now. So, you know, I, I would tell you that Alan is the perfect individual to reach out, uh, bring his background, bring his experience along with Ben, along with myself. And I'd also point out that 
in every point, this has always been collaborative between Ben and myself. And now, of course, Alan is going to take a, a key role, but it's always been collaborative as far as, you know, the direction of the team, as well as every single athlete that is a part of the team. They're always vetted. They always come in and, you know, going back to Alan, he, he's the, absolutely the perfect individual to go after not only these Gen Z athletes, but, you know, also to directly connect with somebody like Alephine, because, you know, we think Alephine, uh, sky's the limit with uh, with where she can go. She just came back from uh, a long absence and crushed it last week in the 25K. And, you know, we think she can do a heck of a lot better than just win the trials. So, you know, I'd say all things, Alan is absolutely the perfect individual from middle distance all the way through the marathon. I'm putting a lot on your shoulders right now, AC, but uh, super stoked at what you bring. And I think we've uh, we've got the perfect team to to get after the very best athletes in the world. Nice. Thank you, Mike. And uh, Jay Galt has a, a good follow-up, but first I want to go over to Lisa. Uh, Alan, you're, you know, Boulder royalty. Um, so she has a question about uh, moving to Flagstaff. Lisa, why don't, you, why don't you take it over? Well, it sounds like you're moving your family to Flagstaff. Um, and I, my question is, do the uh, young milers of Arizona realize that Rocco Culpepper is on his way? Um, forgive me if I got this wrong. I uh, was in an Uber trying to get to that track meet last night there is a boulder valley middle school district meet and i heard that your son ran a 451 for 52 anyway we will miss your presence in boulder it's been wonderful to have you um around here and your family so uh but i'm wondering if arizona knows what they've got coming <laughs> yeah that's a good question he uh he rocco was the the, the child that tied a full knot in his umbilical cord in my wife's stomach. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so he's had us, he's had us on our toes his whole life. And <clears throat> yeah, he showed up yesterday. He's funny, but yeah, he, he crushed it in the mile and came back 30 minutes later and ran the 800 and ran 211. And then he literally five minutes later had to anchor the, the 404 and they were in fifth when he got the stick and, and he just went and got him into first. So, yeah, so I, I think so. Yeah, I hope, I hope so. But it'll, it'll be a process, you know, it's, we've been here 30 years. So um, there's, there's so many things we love about Boulder and, and feel like Flagstaff has, has a very similar culture and a very similar dynamic, but also maybe a little quieter, which I, I think isn't such a bad thing um, at this point. And so, so yeah, we're, we're excited for this next phase. We'll miss Thanks. you. Good. Gordon, hang on. Hang on, Gordon. Uh, Lisa, I might tell you that uh, I've already alerted Flagstaff High School uh, about this situation. As there, well, there you should. Be, there will be a bidding war. Well, the um, kids in Boulder now have a chance, so thanks for that. <laughs> uh, Alan, Jonathan Gaunt had a, a great question. I'll let him pose it, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm eager to hear the answer to this too. John, go ahead. Yeah, uh, Alan, my question is, um, can you explain what your coaching philosophy is? What are your main principles and uh, who has influenced you the most as a coach? Yeah, great question. Um, I'd say from a philosophy, it's athlete first. Um, it's like super, super focusing on that individual and ensuring that um, from a physiological standpoint and just from an interpersonal standpoint and motivational standpoint and emotional standpoint of like, what's, what's the right combination for that specific person. Honestly, that's why I ended up coaching myself was because I was so hyper-focused on, on what I needed and was, was unwilling to deviate from that. And so it's, how do we do that? And like really hone in on the individual. So that, that'll be very specific to their training. Like it's going to be um, really fine tuning the type of work that they're doing um, at a level that, that now uh, 10 years ago, wasn't being done, but now is, is necessary. Um, so that'll be in, in the, the effort levels of each specific workout, how many times we drop to drop down out of elevation when we're on the track, when we're not on the track, like all, every different dynamic you can think of will be factored in while at the same time leveraging the, the team component. And so that's the, that's the secret, secret sauce, you know, is like, how do we do both of those things effectively um, to ensure that the athlete is not compromising on what specifically they need, but also isn't just off on their own all the time. And we have 15 different individuals doing their own thing every single day, because that doesn't work either. So it's blending the both of those together and leveraging them to, to the athlete's benefit. Um, so that's for sure.
a, as a coach, when I was coaching at every different level, I, my thing is I'm not above anything. Like I'll do whatever is required. And I'm not one of these that's like, well, they're adults, they can do their thing and they'll figure it out and they need to do this or that. I, I certainly, without question, the athlete needs to take ownership of their career. Like they need to, to grab hold of it and take ownership because at the end of the day, no one's going to care more about it than, than them. So for sure, they need to be uh, that type of athlete. And that's what we're doing already in the recruiting process is trying to sift through the different talent out there and see who has those character traits to make the step professionally. Uh, but at the same time, I'm for sure the type that's like, will be mixing up their sports drinks and carrying their bag and literally tying their shoes for them if I have to. I did it last weekend at our conference meeting. Like there was a kid who was so nervous he couldn't tie a shoe and I'll, I'm tying his shoes, you know? So it's, it's athlete focused for sure. Um, philosophy standpoint uh, overall, I'd say is it's, it has to be physiological based um, while keeping um, one half toe back in the, the element of like ensuring that we're not uh, trying to science our way through this. Like you have to feel it, you have to understand it. You have to know how it, how it feels on the inside to ensure that you're getting the right effort levels. Also, it can't just be, well, Garmin told me so, you know? And so that's where we have to have to blend a little bit of those two things. Um, but it'll, it'll be pretty involved for sure. Um, I'll tell you that it's, it's going to be involved. There'll be some complicated workouts and there'll be days when I'm taking their lactate levels and there'll be workouts where they're going to be like, wow, we're hitting on a lot of different systems. It's not going to be the old cookie cutter like my days when it was pretty straightforward and you just cranked up your volume and hope for you stay healthy and did a, did a good long run and you could run well. Um, those days are long gone. Um, in terms of, in terms of coaches that influenced me, um, honestly, it, it was, it wasn't just coaches. It was athletes. I would say more than anything, um, it was athletes. The, the coaching was more the relational side and more like you know, how we, how, you know, how we work together as, as individuals and how I saw how I was paying attention to them. I was the one that was always paying attention more than anything and how I saw the, the coaches that I was working with over the years or other coaches that I just knew how I saw them from a relational side with their athletes. Um, but for me, in terms of the, the inspiration as a, as a coach, it came more from the athletes I was competing against and they, they they'll tell you I was annoying you know I was like pulling them aside at at you know the the dinner table at Zurich uh after the race of like dude you know tell me more about your training and like how how did you taper for this and what what specifically did you do when you came off of that race and I mean I was just that's just how I operated at all times and it started and Boulder was a great place for that because there were so many athletes and there was athletes coming here um, and so I could I could pick the brain of Steve Jones, but I could also see, um, you know, John Brown from Great Britain who would come here and gets fourth place in the Olympics. And I could see what he was doing and I would ask him and I would call him up and be like, John, I, I need some help on this thing. So it was all those things combined together. And I have, um, I have gosh, from 15 years till 35 years, 36 years old, I have every single workout I did, every run I did document. <laughs> and so I have a, a great database of, of just my own personal experience. Can I just ask a quick follow-up question of how many private coaching clients you had? Because um, I know you coached some high school in Boulder and then you tap, but how many, do you know a rough number of the private athletes you coached? Oh, it was, um, it was over the course of 12 years, I would have uh, anywhere from a dozen to 15 clients at any given time. And it was like kind of a constant rotation. And again, it, what I liked about it, it was, it kept it pure. It wasn't my livelihood. It was just a secondary thing that I was doing. And, um, while I was pursuing a career in event production and, and marketing on that side. And, and so I could just do it because I loved it. Not because I was like trying to pay the bills, you know? Thanks Al. Nice job. Um, uh, Matt had an interesting question that is really for both Matt and Ben. So, uh, or, or, or sorry, uh, Alan and Ben. Matt, do you want to uh, pop in here and ask that question? Yeah, I guess this is more more for Ben uh, than Alan. But Ben, at the beginning of this conversation, you mentioned that uh, you have first identified the top coaches in the business, and that was the start of the, the, the coaching process, or the, the hiring process, I should say. So can you describe uh, the relationship that you had with Alan that preceded the coaching search? 
sure. Thank you, Matt. Uh, no relationship, <laughs> uh, which which was probably good uh, because it kept it very um, very unbiased. Uh, Alan and I, I think, knew of each other certainly, and I was uh, a fan of of his when when I was a runner, and uh, and certainly saw him do some of the things he did over the years in the running industry, but, but we had, we did not have a relationship. And, and I, and I do think that was a good thing because um, I was totally unbiased. I mean, you know, Alan talks about some of his uh, competitors and people he learned from one of the, uh, one of the references that I called to, to ask about Alan was, was Bob Kennedy. Um, so not a, not a bad reference. And uh, Bob and I spoke for, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes uh, back in the fall. And um, I asked all kinds of questions about Alan and, and he had nothing but great things to say. And, you know, I just, I just think I learned a lot over, over the course of this process. And it really worked out quite well that, that it did take a long time because I, I feel like now I, I know him so well, even though a year ago I didn't know him at all. Um, our conversation when he was here in Flagstaff at, at a restaurant at dinner lasted two hours and it felt like it was 15 minutes. Um, so yeah, no, no relationship before, but uh, I feel like we're in a very different place now. Thanks, Ben. Um, I, as a follow-up to that, Sarah has a, a, an important question that uh, I think we should address. Sarah, you wanna ask it? Yeah, this is a question for Ben. I just wondered how many women were considered for the job um, after the completely transparent process of hiring Jenna, which was such a refreshing change in the pro coaching business. You know, this feels like a little step back to the same old relational hiring. Sarah, someone's calling me. Uh, okay. Yeah, sure. No, happy to answer that, Sarah. Yeah, the, the very first batch of uh, five people that we reached out to uh, included a female candidate. And then the last three people were we were down to included a female candidate. Uh, we did not go with an open, transparent, as you say, process because it's such a high profile job. Um, I can assure you that we were very uh, diligent in, in who we talked to, but there's a, it, it, it's really because of them. Like the, the, the people that we talked to, I mean, they're at risk of losing their job if it gets out that they're attempting to get this job. And so right from the beginning, we had to be super secretive about this thing for the candidates. Uh, but like I said, uh, women were involved from the very beginning and all the way to the very end. Thank you, Ben. Um, that's a good one. Um, Eric had a really good question following up on, uh, on, on Mike's uh, offhand remark. Um, Eric, you want to you jump off mute and, and ask a question of Mike? Well, uh, since, uh, you know, Alan, Mike, Ben, you know, have been talking about how much this is athlete focused. Uh, let's start back to the athlete aspect of it. And, you know, and Mike, you had mentioned, you know, the, and Ben, you as well about the potential of, you know, seeing 15 double to 30, obviously Wesley, Alex have already, you know, coming into the group and you guys have done such a thorough process of evaluating this next class. Like, how do you see that uh, evolving, you know, in terms of a timetable, in terms of women, men, specific distances, like how do you, you know, how do you guys see the, uh, the evolution of getting, uh, getting to a number close to that? And how soon do you want to see that happen? Mike, maybe you could take that first. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, and great, great question. Uh, I would say, you know, going from 15 to 30 athletes is probably going to be a, a, a three-year process for us. And, you know, over the course of this graduating class, uh, we're looking at three three athletes probably four athletes of course we just added a uh, Wesley Kiptu uh, which you mentioned super excited about Wesley and of course he's going to be moving a flag in the next uh, month and a half or so something like that as he just graduated and he's got to go back and collect his things in Kansas and and do all that sort of due diligence um, you know there's also a reality of course of of you know not going too quickly from 15 to 30 and, and I did mention the amazing amount of talent. That's one of the challenges we have right now is trying to figure out, you know, it, hey, if we're only uh, going to go and choose three or four athletes, you know, where do those athletes fit? Uh, what distances do they fit? But back to your question, we really want to have a balance ultimately of 
you know, uh, track athletes and road slash marathon, we fully understand there's an overlap. And sometimes those athletes that begin on the track, you know, maybe like a Wesley, ultimately he might be, uh, you know, the next amazing marathoner. So that happens. But um, the other reality, of course, is just from a budgetary standpoint, you know, I would tell you Hoka, of course, is increasing its overall investment into NAS. But, you know, when you go after the very best athletes in uh, from the NCAA level, they're not inexpensive, uh, um, as you can imagine. So, you know, from a budgetary standpoint, that also gives us some pause to not, you know, be overzealous and think we're going to go from 15 to 30. But, you know, ultimately, I'd say probably three years, uh, having 30 athletes, uh, complete balance. And we have that actually written within uh, our agreement of having you know, a split between uh, male and female athletes. And again, ideally, uh, it's it's a balance of male and female athletes and also track and road athletes, knowing that there is that middle group that, uh, you know, some of those eclectic uh, uh, athletes can do a little bit of everything. But uh, obviously, we're, we're limited right now with, uh, or we really don't have a lot of track-focused athletes. Maybe uh, Katie Wasserman is the exception to that, who's one of the more recent athletes we picked up. So, you know, that for us, and we sort of mentioned earlier, those Gen Z athletes are sort of higher on our radar right now. Of, you know, who can fill in uh, or which athletes can fill in those gaps uh, uh, that we don't have right now, which is predominantly more in the track than the roadside. Yeah, I, I don't have anything to add to that. that that's exactly that's exactly the plan. And uh Appreciate the question, Eric, but uh, we're very excited about the recruiting process. Um, I guess maybe if I was going to add one thing, and it, and it goes back to a question earlier, it's been very fun uh, to recruit these athletes. This process is getting very honed in very quickly. You know, Mike and I are talking about the various athletes that are out there, um, Alan, uh, myself, Jenna, uh, we're reaching out to the coaches, um, uh, setting up Zoom calls with the athletes, and those calls have gone so well. It's it's going so smoothly. Alan's talking physiology and training. I'm talking about the uh, group as a whole and what we offer. And um, and Jenna's coming in, uh, talking about form drills and plyometrics and our strength and conditioning program. And we're, we're pre presenting a very united front, and I think it's going very well so far. Uh, we we may actually have uh, some tough choices to make here soon, but that's a good problem to have. Thank you, Ben. And uh, that brings us right up about to our time limit. I want to, well, we definitely kept it just under 60 minutes. I want to thank our panelists, uh, Ben and Alan and Mike. I want to thank uh, Mountain Mojo Group. Um, and of course, I want to thank Hoka for putting this all together. But mostly, um, yeah, I want to thank you, all the journalists who, uh, who serve the sport. So uh, appreciate it. Um, I believe that we'll make the recording available and also watch your emails. Either or Ben uh, for the press release to follow up on it. Congratulations, Alan, and all of uh, OK NAZ Elite. And uh, I appreciate all of your time for, uh, for coming today. I appreciate it very much. Cheers. Thanks, y'all. Thanks, everybody.